Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all, he, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. It's really good to be with Coa Somerville and Coa Brighton. Just a quick word about your lead pastor. Uh, pastor Fletcher is a really good friend of mine, but more than that, he serves almost as, as a mentor to me. When I first moved here with my wife and I, uh, Fletcher coached me for nine months in association with the North American Mission Board to help me and my family and some of our core team get ready to start a new Coa congregation. And so for months, Fletcher uh, would pray with me and read scripture with me, and we would read numerous books together. We would meet for hours about how do we start a gospel-preaching, believing, loving church in a community. And so in some regard, we would not have Koa Brighton without Fletcher Lang. And so we want to thank him and his family for their love and sacrifice when he was at Koa Brookline. And so we are a network of neighborhood churches, and it's a joy to be with uh, both of our congregations today. Um, we look at John 10 today. And this is one of my most favorite passages from my own heart because I struggle. I'm a sinner. Uh, I'm also a saint. Uh, God has made me part of his family, and he's forgiven me, but I'm, I'm a sinner who struggles. I look to all different types of voices to validate me, tell me if I'm significant or important, and I look through all kinds of doors in my life to, to find value or meaning. And this passage says something about those two things, shepherd voices and doors. And I love this passage, and I'd like to share with you this morning uh, some things that maybe will be helpful for you as you head into a new year. Um, whether you're listening to voices or drawn into things that you think will satisfy you, but end up not. Or maybe you've unlocked or opened some doors in your life that really not led you to where you would really desire to be. And in this passage, there's two metaphors that Jesus uses. Did you catch them when we read them? Two metaphors, and I want to unpack those today. He uses the metaphor of a door and of a shepherd. And I'd like to begin with the first one in verse 9. Let's take a look at that together. In verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. Everyone say the door. Very interesting way to describe yourself. Uh, I'm, uh, I describe myself as a pastor or a parent or a husband or someone who's got their degree from X, Y, and Z, but very rarely do you ever hear someone call themselves a door. Very interesting metaphor that Jesus would use. He says, I am the door, and then he continues. If anyone enters by me, he will be, and he gives two things here, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find, here's the second thing, pasture. You'll be saved and satisfied, Jesus is saying here, 
because he's the door into which we get both salvation and satisfaction. Now, the crowd Jesus is speaking to and us as modern thinkers today actually aren't that different at times. Um, Jesus knows that doors are symbolic for us. We refer, refer to making decisions as a door opening for us, don't we? Or a door closing, a, a chapter closing on our life, right? We even speak about doors of opportunity, hoping that by walking through those doors, it would lead us to the treasure room, right, of happiness and significance or comfort or power. And so Jesus uses this metaphor of a door, knowing that both modern thinkers today and shepherds and farmers and agriculturalists would understand the door then. Now, if we're honest, um, all of us um, have walked through some of these doors before, searching for these treasures, haven't we? Maybe it's the door of relationships for you. And you've been hoping that dating or if you could get married or maybe if you could have kids, maybe that door would satisfy those longings in your heart for care and for intimacy. So you've been rattling every doorknob relationally trying to satisfy that longing. Maybe for you it's the door of education, hoping that if you can finally get that degree, your name would be marked with significance. You can finally prove to the world the impact you can make. Or maybe it'll help you get one step closer in your goal of happiness. If you can just get that degree. So you rattle the doors of education and academia. Now, neither relationships or education is wrong. But if we use them as ultimate things to satisfy us, we'll always be left empty. But maybe not, that's the, not the door for you. Maybe... It's not education or relationships. Maybe it's a job for you or it's a financial status. You've got to get a certain dollar in your account to feel secure and satisfied. So you check it all the time, making sure you have enough. Maybe it's the door of a getaway or a house or a vacation or some sort of change to your normal day life. Whatever that is for you. And each of us have this door that we strive to enter, hoping that if we can just get through it, it will lead us finally to the treasure room of happiness and significance or comfort or power. But if we're honest today, on January the 2nd, 2022, if we're honest, many of us have walked through these doors. We've rattled the doorknob. We've barged in, hoping that that door of promise would lead us to the treasure room. But when we got inside that relationship, and that financial status, we finished that degree, we got those kids, we finally got that dating relationship. We walked in the treasure room, and we were met with empty longings and unmet expectations. And all that striving crushed you. And today, Jesus has the most precious words for you and for me. That he is the door and that he's the shepherd inside that can save and satisfy all the longings that your hearts and my hearts desire. Two things we see this morning. As the door, Jesus is going to invite you in, my friends, to be saved from sin and saved from searching for more. We're going to see that this morning. 
The second thing we're going to see is that as the shepherd, you're going to see Jesus invite you in to be fully satisfied and fully secured in him. There's no relationship, there's no job, there's no diet, no workout plan, no commitment you could make in 2022 that will bring these things to you. Salvation, satisfaction, security. And here, at the very beginning of the year, Jesus is saying, no more doors. No more other shepherd voices. I am the door. I am the shepherd. My friends, do you see the good news with all the commitments and resolutions coming into the year? How we're going to do better, we're going to try harder to be someone or accomplish something or I'm going to change myself. Those are all false doors leading you to empty longings and broken hearts. So let's unpack this first one and let's see something about Jesus being the door. Look at verses 1 through 3 as we begin to unfold this invitation today. Verse 1. Jesus starts out by saying, truly, truly, I say to you. Uh, when, a, when a reader or a speaker would say, truly, truly, or verily, verily, they're really wanting you to lean in here. There's a really urgency behind what the speaker's saying when they say, truly, truly. It's they, they want to be believed. They want to be heard and understood and Jesus is really wanting to draw us in. So he says, truly, truly, meaning this is what you need. This is what you've got to have and understand. Truly, truly, I, the authoritative God, says to you, and here's what he says. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that person is a thief or a robber. They're not meant to be in the sheepfold. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now, Jesus speaks twice here in this few verses about entering what's called the sheepfold. Now, for many of us uh, living in urban cities, or maybe you come from a rural area, but most often, if we do a survey, has anyone worked with sheep? Maybe as your job, anybody? Like, none of us have worked with sheep. So this might seem a little foreign to us, and we've got some kiddos in the room. So let me show you just a quick picture of what a sheepfold would look like. This is sort of an artistic picture of what a sheepfold looks like. And then let me show you what sort of a more modern uh, version would look like here. So you notice around here that these, these high uh, four to six foot rock walls, and they would go around an enclosed area, and on the inside, the sheepfold would rest. They would be protected by the rock wall and overseen by a shepherd that would stand in that open area. Notice how there's no door with a hinge. The shepherd serves as the door. At the top of the wall, a shepherd would place sharp thorn brushes in order to keep out thieves and wild animals that could maybe harm these sheep. On one side of the wall, again, we notice that there's a doorway that's an entry area for the sheep to go in to be safe and out to be satisfied by the water and by the grass. During the day, the sheep would be completely mindful that the shepherd is caring for them with safety in and satisfaction out. And they would just go in and out and gain as much as they wanted. Then at night, the shepherd would gather and guide the sheep back into the sheepfold. And then the shepherd would literally 
lay down his life at night, laid down in front of the opening, serving as a doorway to provide safety, security, and satisfaction for the sheep. My friend, do you see the illustration that Jesus is using here? The great shepherd lays down his life for us. We see that in the cross. And Jesus is using a shepherd analogy to point to us. Do you see how Jesus wants to connect with us and relate with us? He's using imagery like doors opening and closing. My friends, Jesus wants to connect with you. If you feel far from God this new year, you feel distant from him because of your sin, know that this God has come to earth to draw close to you. And he's using illustrations in his life and his death to do just that. And so it's with this imagery that Jesus is drawing from that is telling us something about his heart for you and his actions for you. Jesus is saying that he is the door that your heart has been searching for. The treasure room of comfort and of joy and fulfillment is only found through him as the door. Just as sheep find security through the shepherd, they find satisfaction through the shepherd back into the field, we only can find comfort and joy and fulfillment through Jesus and his words. Because it's only found in him as the source who's the shepherd. So another way to say that is this, church. You don't get the abundant life now or in heaven with God unless you come through Jesus and Jesus alone as the door. Amen? Jesus continues by saying this next part, that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, is obviously not a sheep. I've never seen a sheep scale a wall, maybe a goat. But that's another reference in the Bible, clearly about this whole thing, but we're not getting there. But I've never seen a sheep scale a wall, so if it's scaling a wall to get in, clearly it's not a sheep but it's a thief or a robber. Thief or a robber. And it's with this imagery that Jesus is pointing out many false ways that people attempt to gain entry into the sheepfold of comfort, the sheepfold of joy, the sheepfold of fulfillment outside of God that ultimately will harm and hurt us like a thief or a robber. And so how do we do this? How do we do this? Listen, we do this through religious doors and irreligious doors. We try to gain access to joy and fulfillment and life and meaning and love through all these kinds of doors. Religiously, we do this. We take on a religion that we choose. We find out its rules and its rituals that we need to follow. It might be, you know, Buddhist Eightfold Path or the Five Pillars of Islam, or it might be some form of Christianity where the primary way of functioning is by a list of things that you must do or not do. Or even a more secular approach is just moralism or activism. Trying to be a good person or vote a certain way. And maybe if there's a God in heaven somewhere, and if you do good or act well, then you can get in and get this good life. And Jesus is saying this very clearly. It won't work. You're trying to climb in the wrong way. It won't work. We do this religiously all the time. We often do this irreligiously as well. We try to find lasting joy and pleasure through materialism, don't we? It's that Christmas high. We're all excited about the gifts we get or give. 
And then the next day, we're like, really? That was Christmas? That was it? The high of materialism never satisfies the buying new clothes, or maybe it's experiences. It's travel. I can't wait for that vacation because that rest will satisfy. Then it's the second week after vacation. How do you feel? You need a vacation. Never satisfies. It's the irreligious story maybe of relationships like marriage or dating or children. We're just trying all of these ways to satisfy us and climb in to the sheepfold of joy and comfort outside of God. And God is telling us, no, that won't work. It's a thief. It's a robber. So here's a quick, silly example of this that's very clear to my mind. I remember in middle school, I had a really good friend that we were playing in the, uh, the, the school uh, sort of playground area, and it had some barbed wire. Now, side note, I don't work for a school, but why would you put barbed wire near a fenced-in area where children would play? You know where the story's going. But my friend and I were throwing the football. The football went over the barbed wire fence, and he said, well, I'll just climb over and get it. Like, dude, just leave the football. It's like ten I'll buy you a new one. Like, don't worry about it. He's like, no, I'll just climb in. I'll just get one. In my eye, I'm noticing the gate that's over there. He's noticing the fence. He doesn't want to walk over there. He's just going to climb over the top and not use the door. Okay, dude, that's fine. Climb over it. And kid you not, climbing over the fence, his pants get caught on the barbed wire. He falls down. The pants stay on. He's cut up. He's crying. I walk through the gate. I go get my friend, get his pants off the thing, grab it back. He gets a football. He goes home. No one wins there in that scenario. Just use the door. It's never good to try to use religion or irreligion to satisfy our longings. You will always end up somehow with your pants on the barbed wire, shame and regret, cuts and bruises. We've all opened those doors. My friends, this is a good warning from our shepherd. Let's not jostle the doorknob of religion trying to make it satisfy us. Or a religion, a person or a place or a thing, any other noun that we know to satisfy us. Now I want you to notice something about this text that it talks about the difference between earning and entering. In verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door, doesn't he? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Enters. There's a difference between earning and entering. Earning is you've got to pay a ticket to get in that door. There's a ticket to get into the VIP or to get to go see the Red Sox or the Celtics play. There's a ticket. You've got to earn your way to get in this door. But Jesus paid the ticket, paid the price by his death on the cross to get in this access with him. Amen? So, my friends, we don't earn our way to a life of joy in God. We enter because he's paid the way for us. Now, the good news for you is what I love about that picture. If we can show that picture again. I love about the imagery here is because there's actually not a door on the sheepfold. So it's almost an ironic analogy, isn't it? There's not a door. Why? Because Jesus is proving that the door became unhinged for us. He unhinged himself from the glories of heaven to come to earth, to live in your place, to die in your place, and raise in your place, so that you and I, my friends, could have a place with him where joy, true joy, true comfort, true satisfaction is found. The door, Jesus, became unhinged so you could be hinged in security to him. Amen? This is the good news. I love this illustration because there's not a physical door because Jesus himself is the door 
come unhinged for you. He comes after us. He runs after you to bring you in like a lost sheep. The door doesn't stay intact. He comes running. My friend who might be visiting today, who's a seeker and desiring to know, is this all real? Should I trust this unseen God? My friends, the fact that you're here today or watching online or hearing this good news about Jesus is some validation that he has come for you, to pursue you. The unhinged door has come to welcome you in. You don't even have to come up to the door. The door comes to you. The shepherd has come, and he's inviting you in to him. But Christian, there's something for you in here as well. This is not just an invitation to our seeking friends of Jesus. Christian, there's something here for you, and I don't want you to miss it. Let me ask you, when you sin, when you sin, what door do you enter in to deal with the guilt or the shame? When you sin, how do you deal with the numbness or apathy you have towards that sin? What door do you go into? Do you enter the religious door when you sin? Try to pick yourself up, promising I'll never do it again. I'll set up new rules and new boundaries. I'll pick myself up by the bootstraps, a good southern phrase where I'm from, and I'll do better. That's a religious way that you try to deal with your sin, Christian. Jesus tells us, 1 John 1, 9, that he's faithful and just, that if we confess our sins, the doing better has already been done by Jesus. You confess your sins to him, you relinquish that over, and you don't have to beat yourself up for it because Christ was beaten on your behalf. So all you have is freedom, grace, and forgiveness. You receive that and let that empower you to walk away from that sin. My friend, do you use an irreligious door, Christian, when you sin? When you sin, do you just shove it underneath the rug and apathetically numb yourself to other things, hoping it will deal with the issues that you're facing? Do you run to people and places and pleasures and possessions to feed the hunger inside of you for more? Christian, what do you do? What door do you enter in to deal with your sin? Christian, neither doors are how we deal with sin when we struggle. Enter the third and only door. No matter where you've been or what you've done or where you've come from, the gospel of Jesus satisfies the longings that led you to that sin in the first place. Come through the door for forgiveness and fulfillment and freedom from that sin that binds you. The door is open. Which leads us to our second point that Jesus makes for us. He builds the case for the door unhinged. Come to you, enter in, find life, find satisfaction and salvation. But then Jesus really wants to highlight the shepherd imagery here. Number two, the, the good shepherd, as the good shepherd, Jesus invites you in to be satisfied and secured. Two things that all of us are searching for, all of us are wanting, and he's telling us in this text, I know what you want, I put it there so I could satisfy it in you. Verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, the verse says, he will be saved and he'll go in and out and find what? Find pasture. What's pasture? Satisfaction, security. The thief, in contrast to the shepherd, he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, and then he flips the coin. But he says, I have come to find life and have it abundantly. 
Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Guys, I love this idea in verse 9. The sheep going in and out, mindlessly, free, trusting that they'll find pasture. He's not anxious of what's out there and how is he going to provide for himself. He's going to eat this day. Is he going to be able to pay for his family? Can he buy the house one day? Can he do that vacation? How is he going to take care of the kids when we're pregnant? And what do we do with the cost of that? Am I going to work? Am I not going to work? What do I do about uh, vaccinations, not vaccinations? What, what do I do? The sheep's not anxious because the, he knows the shepherd will lead him to pasture, to security, to salvation in him. Pasture is simply meaning in that context, it's a land. The land's covered with grass and low plants that are suitable for fulfilling the longings of hunger and belonging, rest, and safety that a sheep wants. And I love this idea because they're being led by the shepherd to this pasture. Every day the shepherd stands up after he lays down and he leads the sheep out to fulfill the longings of their heart as the sheep walks with the shepherd. And Jesus tells us, that this pasture, this fulfillment, this satisfaction is only found by walking with him. The word translated life here, when it says that Jesus came, that they may have life and have it abundantly, that word life is precious. That word comes from this Greek noun just simply named Zoe. Zoe. It describes an absolute fullness of vitality and carries this connotation of genuine happiness. When Jesus says that he has come, that we may have life or we may have Zoe, he's telling us that he's the source of all fullness, vitality, and happiness in him, even the face of trials. When we receive him, church, and when we listen to the shepherd's call, he provides us this kind of life, both now and certainly in eternity. But guys, if we're honest, in the very first couple days of the year, we really struggle with this, don't we? We really struggle with trusting the shepherd will lead us to pasture. We really struggle with this. There's so many competing shepherd-like voices that are false shepherds. They lead us and they tempt us to enter into other doors for satisfaction and security. Doors that tell us that this new job, if you get it, or you need to move closer to your family, or you need this new friendship, or you've got to start dating this person, or I mean, you've got to have kids, or you've got to experience this new hobby, or try this new diet, or buy this new thing, then you can have the full, abundant Zoe life that you've been looking for. And again, as we enter those doors and we shake the knob, we open the door and we find it's cold and it's dark and it's empty. And these are the doors, as verse 10, these are the doors that steal kill and destroy. They're false doors with false hopes. My friend, let me ask you, what door is that for you? What door do you continue to rattle, thinking it will satisfy, it will comfort, it will secure? What door do you keep rattling? All of us have them. My, my job is not to call you out, but to call you in to a better door. What door is that for you? For me, there's tons of things. Guys, I'm a poor church planter, very well taken care of by my church, but still very poor church planter. We've got two daughters that we fostered to adopt. I'm like, how am I going to plant a church in a pandemic in Boston while we're fostering to adopt? I have no idea. I feel like I've opened up all the wrong doors. This is what not to do. How are we going to make it? And my heart 
because of my past and my sexual immorality and what I've been through before Christ and what I struggle with now, my temptation towards lust or pornography, what's in my heart. I, I want to rattle certain doors. This will satisfy me and this will help me and this will help me escape and this will comfort me. And every time I walk through one of those doors, I'm left worse off. I think it's the treasure room, but I get inside and it's dark, it's cold, it's empty. And, but every time I listen to the shepherd's voice, I resist temptation. I trust his promises. And in that door, I find Zoe, life, vitality, healing, hope. And my friends, today is very clear, very clear. Stop rattling the false doors of hope. Enter into what the shepherding is saying. The good shepherd is warning us not to listen to these strange and misleading voices. Listen to it from him. Look at verse 3 through 5. He's warning us about these voices. He says this, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. I love that song that Ben sang. They know my name. He knows my name. The shepherd calls out the sheep, and he leads them in and out, leads them in and out of the pasture. And when he's brought out all his own, he even goes before them, before the struggle or the hardship, to protect or guide or lead. And what do the sheep do? They follow him. The sheep hear, they follow. They hear, they follow. For they know his voice. A stranger, sheep will not follow. If you ever studied sheep or looked at sheep, we're going to watch a quick, quick clip in a minute to show you. But a sheep will not follow a stranger's voice. They'll flee from a stranger's voice. Because they do not know the voice of strangers. These sheep, in this analogy here, that shepherds would very much know, they would be nodding their heads, saying, oh yeah, I know that. I know that when I call my sheep and I say their name, they follow me. And when my friend or my relative calls out for them, the sheep don't move. These sheep aren't misled. They don't wander into empty rooms through deceitful doors. Why? Why do the sheep listen? And here's the big unfolding for us today. They listen because they've learned that security and satisfaction is always found in following the shepherd. Always found in following the shepherd. So I want you to check this video out for just a quick moment. I was studying this past week, and I've used this in our church uh, before, and so I had to revisit this clip, and this was in Norway. And you're going to watch a couple case studies of people trying to call out this sheep to come follow, and then watch what happens when the shepherd comes and then we'll unpack this a little bit before we close. Even if the audio doesn't work, you kind of get the idea here. The first subject is sort of calling out the sheep by name, and we got nothing. Second person is a, a woman calling out the sheep, and she's laughing because she's completely being ignored. <laughs> nothing. Not even a head lift, not an ear twitch, nothing. She's like, what is this? What's happening? This girl gives up pretty easily. <laughs> Calls out. She's like, oh, this is trash. I give up. <laughs> this is not working. The farmer or the shepherd stands over the fence, begins to call, and then watch the heads of the sheep. He's going to raise their heads, look towards him. They recognize his voice. They're trying to find where the voice is coming from. He begins to call them by name, and the sheep begin to come over to him. And it's, why are they coming, though? They were called earlier, but they've learned to trust that this shepherd, every time they're called and they follow, in comes the security, the satisfaction, 
the care and the love, and they've learned to trust the voice. So in he comes, and he provides them food, and they just follow him because they know that there's no other source, no other voice where they can find satisfaction. Sheep get this. I don't. Sheep. My heart is so slow. We call sheep stupid and dumb. We often use an illustration when we talk about sheep in scripture, but sheep are sometimes way more wiser than Aaron, way more wiser than you. What voices call out to your heart telling you this is where it's found right here, this this paycheck? Mm -mm, You can't quit this job. You can't start that job. You can't move to that city. You can't do this thing because you've got to get security here. You've got to move closer to mom and dad because that provides you security for your life and you got to, whatever the case may be, not saying that a job or not saying that family's bad, but are we trying to use those things to provide satisfaction or security? But sheep, I love this, they hear the voice and they've been trained, when, when I follow, there comes the satisfaction and joy that I've been longing for. So every time the sheep, the shepherd calls, they follow. Every time a false shepherd calls, they don't follow. It's that simple. It is that simple. Is it hard to follow Christ? Yes. Is it harder not to follow Christ? Yes. (laughs) Let's trust this shepherd. So where is this for you? Where are the false voices? Where are the false doors? I need you to identify those in your heart. I'm not calling you out, but calling you into a better way. The truth is we're all looking for some sort of shepherd, Koa to lead us to the green pastures of the good life. We use religion or irreligion, and we look to all sort of imperfect shepherds. Again, an intimate marriage, well-behaved children, new and exciting experiences, that fun or fulfilling relationship, high recommendation or applause at work, school, our own strength, intellect, whatever it is, we're looking for the good life in the shepherd that can lead us there. We think if I can find that person, If I can get that position, if I can finish my degree, then maybe I will get to the green pastures of the good life. We look for a shepherd to put their arm around us and lead us to the green pastures of the good life. But instead of an arm around us, if it's not Jesus, it's a noose around us. Leading us not to the green pasture, but into the graveyard every time. And you've probably felt that. And so what Jesus does, he comes unhinged and he finds you in that room today. Wherever that temptation, that longing, that room you keep going in, he doesn't beat you in that room. He was already beaten for you, and he takes his hand, and he leads you out. He says, listen to my voice. Listen to my promises. Listen to how I'm the comforter. Listen to how I provide security. I'll help you with the longings of your heart. I'll help satisfy you or be the satisfaction of that longing. Follow me. Listen to me. Quiet the other voices. Stop turning the other knobs. Follow me. This is the good shepherd We hear him call to us this in verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. The Zoe life, vitality, fullness, happiness. May you see today, church, the true and only shepherd that you need in Jesus. So as we close together, I want you to lean in and not miss this connection from the scriptures. In the Garden of Eden, when mankind sinned against God, he rightly judged 
us. And he kicked us out of the garden where his presence and holiness was. In essence, God shut the door to the abundant life. And it cannot be opened by us. We were shut out of God's holy presence. We were shut out of the full life that comes from dwelling with our creator because of our sin. And ever since that time, that moment in the garden, all of human beings have sought to get back to that place. We want the fullness of life, don't we? We want a place of lasting peace. We want to be in the place of rest for our bodies and our souls. We want a place where we are fully known and fully loved. We want to get back to the garden where the door was shut. And Jesus is here today saying that through this text, he has made a way back to that place. In fact, Jesus went outside the doors of old Jerusalem so that we might enter in the gates of the new Jerusalem. Amen? Jesus is the only door that came unhinged for us so we could gain entry into comfort, joy, fulfillment in him and into eternity. He entered the grave for us so that we could re-enter the garden with him. Seeker, have you entered into this relationship with God by faith? We don't earn it. We enter it by what he's done for us. Lived in your place perfectly where we cannot. He's earned the righteous status that you need. He's died for every single one of your sins, past, present, and future to remove those. And it's by faith, by faith that you enter in to this Zoe life that your heart craves. Seeker, will you do that today? Would you put your heart and trust in this God who has become unhinged to come to you? Would you do that today by faith? Trust him. And Christian, Christian, are you listening? Are you listening to the voice of your shepherd? That's looking to lead you to satisfaction and security. Are you listening? He's calling. He's leading. Will you trust him? Trust the promises of where those things your hearts are longing for. Trust where they're ultimately found. So as we close, hear him one more time, Christian. Hear him one more time, seeker. Invite you in to him this morning. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray. God, you are so good. And I struggle so bad. God, I am desperately in need of your voice and your strength in 2022. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters and my friends and neighbors that are in this room and online. God, there's so many, so many doors that we've walked through this past few years. And we've been struggling as churches and as individuals. And God, we are asking today that you help us to see and trust the right door and the right shepherd. And God, even if we're in those places of the dark, cold, empty rooms and our longings are just crushed, may we see that you have found us today. You have entered into the darkness with your light and you are leading us by your voice. You're calling us to a better way, a better life. May we follow you this year. May we trust you. 
May we let down our hands from any doorknob that is leading us to heartbreak. We trust in you and help us, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.